if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. And where I preach when the word of God is read, we stand. Will you oblige me in standing to honor the word of God? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. The Bible says, wherefore, receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace whereby we may offer service well-pleasing to God with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, hide me behind the cross so that the people of God will see you and your word and not me. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. The book of Hebrews has been covered extensively this week. If you've been paying attention, you've learned that the theme of Hebrews is that Christ is better. The anonymous Hebrew writer goes to extensive lengths to communicate to his audience that Christ provides a better expectation. He provides a better priesthood, a better hope, a better covenant, better promises, better sacrifices, better possessions, better country, better resurrection, and better things. It is no wonder then that the Hebrew writer uses in his comparison between Jesus and the old law nearly 100 Old Testament references to contrast between Judaism and Jesus. Addressing these things, uh, these, these Christians who had received this message secondhand by eyewitnesses of Christ, the Hebrew writer acknowledges to them that they had become dull of hearing and in danger of drifting from Christ. It is obvious that he, uh, uh, that the book of Hebrews is a profoundly theological book that requires studiousness to ascertain its biblical truths. But in chapter 12, it serves as the practical application of its theological history. It is as if the Hebrew writer takes us to school first and then to church later on. He begins chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 by encouraging the backsliding Christians to keep running with endurance. Verses 3 through 17 serves as a reminder um, on how to endure discipline from our Heavenly Father. And he follows this thought with learning how to rejoice in your identity, verses 18 through 24. And finally, the text that I have been assigned, verses 25 through 29, he warns them not to reject the one who speaks from heaven. Verse 28 is a response to a conversation that the author is having with the audience. Previous to verse 28, the writer exhorts them not to refuse the one who speaks, verse 25. 
And his point is that the people of old did not escape refusing the words of the prophets when they were on earth. And so if they didn't get a free pass, we, will, we won't either. The writer demonstrates and illustrates the urgency of listening to the voice of God as he speaks from heaven. The Bible says his voice shakes the earth. The text seems to suggest that this is the shaking of the earth and the earth of the heaven and the earth rather that signifies and symbolizes the things that are shakable and movable. The Hebrew writer seems to suggest that when you put your faith and trust in anything other than God, you are on shaky ground. But the only thing that can be trusted and cannot be shaken is God and his kingdom. This is why the text begins in verse 28 by saying, Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom. This phrase, receiving a kingdom, is a direct reference to Daniel chapter 7 and verse number 18. The, the kingdom that the Christian belongs to isn't like the Jewish dispensation, which lasted for a little while and gives place to another. This kingdom is unmovable. The kingdom in this text is not just described or defined as the church, but the kingdom in this text is defined as the basilea, which encompasses everything in heaven and in earth, everything under the reign of God. The church is a part of the kingdom, but the church isn't the kingdom. Uh, let me help you. I live in Texarkana, Texas, uh, and Texarkana is a part of Texas, but Texarkana ain't all of Texas. There, there's more in Texas than just the place that I live, and the church is a part of the kingdom, but the church ain't the whole kingdom. This doctrine is illustrated in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 through 18, where the Bible says, giving thanks unto the Father who made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation, for in all in him all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible. The kingdom is more than just the church. And so when the text says, when I receive the kingdom, I literally receive more than just the church. I receive his kingdom benefits. I receive rights as a royal subject. Yes, I get the church, but I also get prayer. Yes, I get the church, but I also get grace. Yes, I get the church, but I also get mercy. Yes, I get the church, but I also get assurance. Yes, I get the church, but I also get hope. Yes, I get the church, but I also get love. I receive rights as a royal citizen of his kingdom. And what's interesting in the text is that the text says the kingdom cannot be moved. I recall the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. You know the story. The Bible says, and upon this rock, I will build my church, 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is the only kingdom that is permanent. This is the only kingdom that is solid and stable. Uh, no law can legislate it. No power can overthrow it. No argument can outreason it. No president can build a wall against it. This kingdom shall stand forever. No wonder he says, the text says, let us have grace. What's interesting about this word grace is that some scholars translate the word to literally mean gratitude or thanksgiving. So when the text says that the kingdom is unmovable and it cannot be changed, and he says, and for this reason you ought to approach God with grace or gratitude in your heart. Anybody in here this morning got gratitude for what God has done for you? Gratitude means that you're thankful for what he's done. And I come today to tell you that I'm so grateful for the grace and the mercy of God bringing me into the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm grateful and ain't nobody got to poke me and no nobody got to prod me and ain't nobody got to push me to show how grateful I am about being in the body of Christ. Uh, I wish there was somebody in here that knew enough to say, God, I thank you because when I look back over my life and all that you've done for me. I'm grateful that I'm in the body of Christ. I wish there was somebody in here who can testify. I remember the days when I wasn't always doing right. Somebody can have a flashback right now of the time that you were in the dope house but God brought you out. Somebody in here can have a flashback of the time that you were running the streets but God brought you out. I wish there was somebody in here who wouldn't say to Susa did it to say God I I am grateful. That's why ain't nobody got to beg me to come to church. Ain't nobody got to beg me to sing. Ain't nobody got to beg me to give. Because when I think about everything that you've done for me, I get all stirred up. God, I am grateful. And that's why every time I come to you, I come to you with gratitude in my heart. Every time I come to you, I come to you with thanksgiving in my spirit. Every time I I come to you. I come to you. Ain't nobody got to make me worship. I worship you just because of who you are. Uh, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me slow down. Uh, 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 every once in a while when I'm driving down the road all by myself, uh, I don't need no music. Uh, I don't need no preacher. I don't need no song leader. I just start thinking about the goodness of God and I get all stirred up all by myself and every now and again you ought to tell the Lord thank you thank you for a roof over my head thank you for clothes on my back thank you for food on my table thank you for money in the bank thank you for healthy children thank you for my wife oh Lord I say thank you oh let me let me let me let me the text says, the text says that we got to serve God acceptably. Oh, let, me, let me help you. It is our gratitude that gives us the aptitude to serve God. The, the word in this text for serve is the Greek word latreo, and 
this word literally means to worship. The, the word is primarily used to indicate a servant for hire. Latreo is not a word that conveys the idea of Sunday morning worship experience. Latreo is a word that communicates an idea of a lifestyle of worship. This, this idea suggests that when you are thankful for being in the kingdom, your joy and excitement is not just confined to Sunday morning. Uh, if the only time you get excited about God is when people gather and the preacher preaches and the singer sing, then you are not worshiping right. I, I wish there was somebody in here that knows enough about God to say, I don't have to have a crowd around. My lifestyle is my worship to him. Every day that I wake up, I give him glory. Every day I put my feet on the ground, I give him praise. And, and he finds my worship acceptable because of my attitude. Verse 29 says, here's what I'm getting and I'm done. Verse 29 says, for our God is, let me have that, 10 minutes. Our God is a consuming fire. Can, can I help you? Uh, there, there was twice in the Old Testament that God is consult, called a consuming fire. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 23 through 25, where Moses warns the Israelites against idolatry. But Moses used the language to remind the Israelites that God is not willing to share his glory with anybody. Hmm, can I help you? The, the second time that the text mentions consuming fire, the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse 3, when Moses reminds the Israelites that God is a consuming fire and he would go before them to conquer their enemies. Church people don't know when to shout. One more time. The first time was about when they were worshiping idols and God said, I'm not going to compete with your idols. If you keep worshiping them, I'm a consuming fire. The second time was when God said, that I'm going to go before you and destroy your enemies. Church people still don't know when to shout. <clears throat> let, me, let me help you. The same consuming fire that will destroy you when you put people and things before him is the same consuming fire that will protect you from your enemies. I wish there was somebody in here that had enough sense in here to admit and thank and celebrate God that I, I'm not going to play with God with my worship. I'm not going to play with him with my appreciation. I'm not going to put anything or anybody before the Lord because the Lord is a consuming fire. But I also wish there was somebody in here who knew when to shout and say, Lord, I thank you because you are a consuming fire that's able to go before me and 
and block every one of my enemies. I want to thank you, God, because when the devil tried to rise up against me, you are a consuming fire, and so you can knock and block every weapon that the devil tries to form. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Is there anybody in here this morning as I get ready to sit down somewhere that can say, God, I thank you. I thank you because you protected me from my enemies. I thank you, God, because when I was doing the wrong thing, you protected me from myself. God, I know that you are a consuming fire. Can I help you this morning? God is good. He's not just good some of the time, but he's good all the time. And all the time, the Lord is good. Is there anybody in here who can just wave your hand at me and say, Preacher, I know that the Lord is good. If I look back over my life and tell you all the stuff that I've been through, I'd have a book to write. They could make a movie off of my life. Is there anybody in here who can testify? I know that God is good because he delivered me from an abusive marriage. I know that he is good. My kids been out there running the streets acting a fool for a long time. And I ain't had to bury nobody. I know that the Lord is good. I walked in the doctor and the doctor gave me a bad report. Six months later, I walked in and he was shaking his head, saying, how did this happen? Is there anybody in here that can say, Lord, I know that you've been good to me. You've been better to me than I've been to myself. I ain't God all right. Want to make a way out of no way. Want to give you peace in the time of storm. Want to give you hope for tomorrow. Tomorrow. Won't God work it out for you? Yes, I know He's good. 